Amazing. Well, uh, I want to welcome you this morning to Light Church. If this is your first time, I hope you feel welcome. I hope you feel at home because uh, you are at home. You definitely belong here. And uh, for everyone else, isn't it so good to be here today? Isn't it such a, an honor that we get to call this place home? And I genuinely mean that. Like I feel just as part of this as everyone else. And uh, I'm so excited for today, how we're going to look at some vision, look at the way forward, uh, look at some things that God is calling us into. And uh, it's just amazing. we got the kids in at the back. we just got a good family feel going on today. And uh, that's what this place is about. But before we jump into some vision, um, let me just share something real quickly. Um, I got some time. You're going to have to, uh, if you think I go on usually, you're going to have to um, give me some grace today. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best, but I'm very, very passionate about this, uh, this whole day. And uh, it's been a day that has been prayed into by the elders. Uh, we've, we've met so much over the past couple months uh, to, to meet together, to you know, forget the agenda, forget all the stuff, and just get on our knees before God and say, God, where is it you're bringing our church? Where is it you're calling us to? And uh, Damien just came up to me this morning, and he, he had a few... Um, readings that he, he read in his devotional this morning and it really encouraged me and he was reading various parts in the, in the Old Testament where uh, people were called to rebuild God's temple and if you know our journey as a church over the past several years you know it's been quite a rocky journey and uh, I'd say the last 18 to 24 months uh, our team of elders have done an incredible job putting pieces back together starting to rebuild starting to um, kind of like clean up from the last season and uh, with Damien's reading and just the, the general feeling God's been speaking to some of us and, and it just feels like today it kind of marks the end of that season it marks the end of sweeping up the pieces it marks the end of trying to put things back together and it marks the beginning of God saying hey like that season's done and it might, it might have been painful might have been uncomfortable we went through some crazy stuff but I'm going to call you into, into something cool I'm going to call you to build. So today marks the beginning of God saying, let's build into the future. And uh, I wanted to, to begin with that, just to frame this day. This is not just a day of nice words and catchy phrases and things that make us sound like we want to be part of this. But this is a day that is going to mark the way forward. It's not my vision. It's not the elders' vision. This is something we believe God has really put in our hands. And... Uh, it's something we get to be part of. Um, but before we, before we jump into that, uh, we just felt that to mark that end of that, that season and to, to kind of move forward and with this fresh season, we thought it was time to, to update ourselves a little bit and to uh, rebrand, uh, keeping the name exactly the same, uh, we are Light Church, but to change a little bit how we look um, and to, to really think intentionally about who we're going to be and uh, how people are going to see us and how people are going to know us. Uh, so there's been a small team working really, really hard over the past couple months, uh, working with a designer from Manchester to, to help us bring to life what uh, we really feel God is calling us to be and the way that's going to look. And uh, the way that this designer did this is he, um, he, he did a workshop with us and he pulled us together and he's like, tell me about your church. And we were, we were telling him these things and we were giving him like what we saw Light Church to be and its heart and its, you know, the, the various activities, various ministries, the things that it did. And, and this guy, I wasn't a Christian. He'd never really been to church before. 
and uh, he started to catch a little bit of what we were about and he, he got really, really excited, really passionate and uh, what he did is he put together a little piece of, uh, of writing which he would call like our narrative. Uh, so this, bearing in mind, this is a guy who has never seen us before and he's never um, you know, been to church. I don't know what his beliefs are, I don't know what his faith is and he wrote this um, to help kind of guide this branding process. I'm going to read it to you just because I think it is really cool. So it's going to be up on the screen. And uh, it's called The Best You Can Be. So this is what he came up with us for us um, to kind of sum up what this brand is. It says, we all know it. When things feel right and the sun is shining at its brightest. When the energy is flowing and you feel part of it. The warm glow of belonging and the confidence in your own skin. We exist to facilitate this to help you grow, to help you achieve. We want you to succeed, to feel part of something, and then to share that love and pass it on. Because the best you brings out the best me. So that's what he picked up from us, and I thought that was really encouraging. And uh, he caught a little bit of a vibe of who we were. And uh, then when it came for him to pull together a little bit of a logo, a little bit of a brand, he, um, he, he thought about... The, the two main things that we kept saying, which was to love God and to love people. That's what we were called to, love God and love people. And uh, if you want to flick the next one up, well. Uh, so he, he got us in a room and he said to us, you've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You've got the Trinity in this triangle. And then you've got you or you've got us. And then Light Church is when those two things come together and it creates something really special. So Will, if you can just click on to the next video. And this is a little bit of a mark for us going forward. And I'm excited because what this represents is not just something that looks cool. But something that actually says God's calling us into something new. And anytime you see this, anytime you see it in whatever version it comes up at, I'm in the way here, aren't I? <laughs> anytime you see this, I just want you to remember that God's got his hand on us. That so many times we shouldn't be here. And I want this to stand as a symbol, not just a logo, not just a thing that makes us look cool, but as a symbol that says, God's not done with us yet. It represents something new, something going forward. And, uh, you know, he's, he's done a load of, uh, of work for us. If you want to flick to the next one, I'll show you how this can look. It's exciting. I like this bit. How it can look in various different forms. You can go to the next one, Will. He put it on a building because he knows that's where we're heading soon. So you'll be seeing a lot of this stuff coming over the next couple weeks. Obviously, thought we were Catholic or something, but nighttime mass. We can do nighttime mass if you want. I won't be announcing it today, but we can if you want. So there we go. That is, um, you know, we're so stoked with what he's come up with. Not just because it looks cool, but because he's caught a little bit of who we are. He's caught a little bit of where we're going and if you were, obviously if you want to chat and for those who can't see it it is an L and a C and uh, one of the things that he really liked about it, it was like a soft shape and a, and a pointy shape and he was like this just speaks to diversity he's like different people from different backgrounds different walks of life different worldviews coming together and creating the beauty of the church um, so that is our new branding so you'll be seeing that coming over the next few weeks
and I'm so excited for that to drop. And the team, uh, can we just give it up for the team? Jenny, Sophie, Holly, Pat. So just to, uh, just to, to mark this occasion, I'm going to ask some crew. We've got a little, a little gift uh, for everyone. Um, it's a little journal. And uh, again, you can, you can take it, do whatever you want with it, write notes today on it and from the, the message, do whatever you want. But um, the, the guys are going to come and hand this around for you. excited about this morning. And a pen as well, I forgot to say. There is a pen coming around. In case you were there like trying to write with like a wet finger or something. Like, there is a pen coming. <laughs> oh, we're all going to hear is clicks in it throughout the next 10 minutes. Oh, is it a good quality pen? How does it write? Twist. It's a twist, yeah. Twist and click. I didn't realize people were so specific about pens as well. Like people have favorite types of pens. haven't got one, uh, you can get one at the end or grab Lucy or something, they'll sort you out. Amazing, right, well let's give it up for Tom and Mike for beautifully accompanying me and, <laughs> and uh, we will jump in. Um, so yeah, it is, I just want to welcome you, I'm so excited for this morning, I think uh, God's really going to speak. It's a uh, you know, I genuinely feel like I'm on the other side of this in that I feel like I'm sat down here with you. This whole process for me is obviously completely new, but at the same time, like the elders and myself and Holly, we just feel like this is something that has just come in front of us. And we just feel like we want to be part of this vision. And uh, so uh, I hope you can hear my excitement and my heart on this today. And but I'm going to just pray real quick before we jump in, ask God for his voice to be the one that's heard and not mine. So Father God, we want to thank you for today. We want to thank you for the journey that you've brought this church on. And God, I thank you for the, the, the just feeling of newness today. God, I thank you you're a God who makes things new. And that you are not done with us yet. And that as we move into this new season, as you're calling us to build into the future, God, I pray that today we would hear your voice and not mine. That we would hear your heart and not mine. That it would be a day that we leave this place closer to you closer to your heart, closer to your eyes and your ears. So God, I pray, come have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. So every um, church uh, has a mission. And every church's mission is exactly the same. Every church is sent out with the same authority. Every church is sent out with the same, uh, the same mission, the same thing. And uh, this comes from Matthew 28, where Jesus says, Go out into all the world and make disciples. Okay, so every church is commissioned with that same authority, commissioned with that same voice, and led by Jesus. Okay, every church. So, Will, if you want to flick up. We've, uh, we've coined a little phrase that's going to help us just capture that Matthew 28 for us. To make followers of Jesus that make followers of Jesus. It's as simple as that. That is our mission. That is what we exist for. To make followers of Jesus that make followers of Jesus. Now, it seems weird that it's repeated. But you see, what's interesting about this is that followers of Jesus do not stand still. Followers of Jesus want to go out and see more people come to know Jesus. See more people find freedom. More people find wholeness. More people live a life of purpose. To make followers of Jesus that make followers of Jesus. You flick over to the next one. Okay, so every church has the same mission, but not every church is purposed in the same way. So every church is called by Jesus to go make disciples, to go make followers of Jesus. But God graces different churches to do different things. He he gives them different roles to play. He gives them different things that they have to bring. And uh, we've been working through this and praying into this. And uh, there's seven purposes, seven things that we really believe God is calling us to be. Kind of like seven purposes for Light Church. And we've called them the Big Seven just so you can remember them. So if you hear us chatting about the big seven, this is what they are. And uh, I'm going to go through these, and I'm going to talk us through them. And uh, before we go into this, I don't want you to sit there and listen and watch the screen and hear my voice and think, is this like what I'm thinking? Is this something that I can get involved? I want you to sit there and, and take this and say, let me wrestle with it. Let me pray into it. Like this is our vision. Not my vision, it's not the elder's vision. This is something God is calling all of us as individuals and as a body. So I want to encourage you as you sit there, just be praying like, God, make this real to me. Like, show me how I can really put legs on this in my own life. Show me how I can contribute to this in this church. So the big seven. The first one, we will be a church that pursues the heart of God. We will be a church that pursues the heart of God. This looks like worship. So not just the songs that we sing, but a lifestyle. We will be a church that lives a lifestyle of worship, that knows that Jesus is in the center and that worships Him with our life. This looks like prayer, not just prayer meetings, not just prayer on a Sunday morning, but a life of prayer. We want our church to be known as a praying church. As a church that seeks God, that pursues His very heart in everything that we do. We want to be sacramental. That means we want to have an understanding of why we do communion. Of what marriage is about. We want to understand why we do baptisms. Not just do them because we go through the motions or because we think it's important or we've been told to do it. But a church that values these things that Jesus has commanded us to do. Because Jesus commanded us to be sacramental. He asked us to, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, it says, baptize them. So we want to be a church that honors those things. We want to be a church that's spiritually disciplined, that knows what it is to tithe, that knows what it is to be sacrificial. 
We want to be a church that is biblically literate and confessional. What does that mean? It means we don't just know the Bible because these catchy phrases and that we tweet about them or Instagram about them. It means that we know how to read our Bibles. It means that we understand what, how powerful the scriptures are in our daily lives. That we are well, well versed in interpreting and understanding. That we have a depth of ourselves in the Bible. And confessional, that just means that we speak it out. That we are a community that will speak out the word of God. That will speak out his promises. That will speak out his declarations. We will be a confessional church. A church that stands and says, this is what we believe. We will be a church that pursues the heart of God. The second one. We will be a church that multiplies and grows. We will be a church that multiplies and grows. This looks like in this room. So in our gatherings, we want to grow, don't we? We want people to hear this message of Jesus. We want people to come and join this amazing family. This might look like various locations over the next couple of years. We want to be a church that doesn't just reach Kirkham. That is who we're called to be right now, to be a church that reaches this community. And we will always be here for this community. We will have a place in this community because that is what God first called us to. And you know, my job isn't to come up with new vision. My job is to look at what God is already doing, what he was doing before me and what he'll be doing after me and say, how can we put words to what God is already doing? And God started a church. I called some people to start a church in this community. And we will be in this community. But I feel like God's creating a heart in us for some other communities as well. And wouldn't it be amazing to be able to take this family and like see it happen in other places at the same time. So that looks like multi-location. That looks like our life groups. Not just life groups that are stagnant and stay the same, but life groups that are growing Groups that start to split and multiply because there's just too many people coming because they want to be accountable with each other and they want support and they want to be in that little small group. That looks like our staff team growing because the bigger we get, the more we're going to need to invest in these areas. And that looks like church planting as well. I know that sounds like the same thing as multi-location, but I have a big heart and I think this church has a big heart to see people released into planting churches. You know, we're part of a, a denomination called Free Methodism, and their big vision over this next uh, 15 years or so is to plant 100 or more churches in the UK. And we've got to play our part in that. We've got to be part of that. And uh, that means releasing people, not necessarily to go plant light churches or anything like that, but if God has called someone to go somewhere, wouldn't it be amazing for us as a family to release them, equip them, champion them, pray for them? That looks like evangelism as well, like... Let's be people that know how to share our faith. Not because it's what Christians should do, but because we are so passionate about the fact we have been set free that we just want to share it. So we will be a church that multiplies and grows. I love this next one. We will be a church that talks with its hands. We will be a church that talks with its hands. And this is, we won't just be a church that talks, but we will talk by doing We will talk by meeting practical needs. We'll be a church that talks with its hands by engaging in social action. We want to see tangible statistical changes. How amazing would that be if people came and saw that in the community that we are in that suicide rates are dropping, that rates of depression and loneliness are dropping, that the amount of kids getting put into foster care for no reason is dropping. Wouldn't it be amazing to be a church that says, like, we're not in it just for our gain. We're in it because we want to see genuine change. 
That's the church I want to be part of that makes a difference. We've put family care on here. This is something we're going to be hearing about over the next couple of weeks. But this is just looking at children. Like how can we be a church that looks after orphans? How can we be a church that looks after vulnerable children? And I think that's such a big, big heart of Jesus. You see it time and time again. And we want, a church that wants to, we want to be a church that wants to get in on that heart. And that looks like our incredible missions work. You know, we talk a lot about missions and we talk a lot with our hands. We have an incredible team that puts in the time that's going to be going over to Tanzania, that's doing all this stuff. We want to be a church that shows what we think and what we say by what we do. We'll be a church that talks with its hands. We will be a church that has a voice of influence. We will be a church that has a voice of influence. I'm passionate about this one. This means that we won't just stay silent on things that we need to speak up about. It means that we won't stay silent when we see injustice. We're going to call it out. We want to be a church that has a voice in society. One that when people hear that things go wrong, they turn to the church and go, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? How are they going to react to this? We want to be a church that has a voice of influence. Why? Advocacy. We want to have a voice of influence so we can give voice to the voiceless. So that the people that have no one to speak for them, the ones who are down and out, the ones who are marginalized, we want to be a church that can speak and give them voice. That looks like influence in Christian circles and free Methodism as well. Johnny Leach came a few months ago and he just shared just how many people in this room have such an influence in free Methodism, from counseling to ministry board to like CMC tracking and all that sort of stuff. I think God's calling us to be a church to ruffle some feathers in the Christian circles. To be a church, I'm definitely there. I think God's calling us to be a church that's going to inspire people to come out of what they've always known to come out of the mediocrity to say, look, there is more we can be doing as churches. There's a higher bar we can live to. There is so much bigger influence that our churches can have. And I feel like God is going to use us in those circles, and he is doing already. This looks like media presence as well. Now, I love this. And this helps with our new branding. Like, we want to be a church that's present. Like, when in history have like people had access to our message in the palm of their hands. They can open their phones. They can hear this message from anywhere in the world when it's uploaded tomorrow. And so many people listen to them, it's crazy. People can literally access this room from anywhere in the world. You know, and we want to utilize it. If God's called us to reach people, let's start using media. Let's Let's learn how to speak that language so we can get the message and person of Jesus as far and wide as we can so that people can experience wholeness and freedom like we have in this room. Let it not stay in these four walls. Let's utilize media to really get it out there. We will be a church that has a voice of influence. This next one I will say is my absolute favorite one and it's spoken to me on many, many levels. We will be a church that makes kings and queens. This looks like leadership development. This looks like our youth ministry, our kids' ministry. What do I mean by kings and queens? I mean people that really rise up. People of substance. People of significance. 
people that know who they are are grounded in their faith, grounded in their identity. Makes kings and queens. That looks like employers will know that if someone from Light Church comes to work for their business, they will be the best worker they have ever seen. This looks like making kings and queens looks like our kids' ministry, not just being a babysitting service, but being a place that cultivates an environment for kids to be all that they can be. This looks like a youth ministry that believes in young people when no one else does. It looks like a youth ministry that pulls the potential of young people out of them. It looks like a church that believes in people. It believes in the potential that has been put inside of every single person. Making kings and queens, that looks like anyone that walks through these doors. We don't judge. We don't look at them for who they are, but we say, God, show us the king or queen that you have called them to be. I don't mean by king and queen some strange, like higher elitist thing. I just mean a person of like royal substance. Someone that knows that they are a child of the king. Grounded in their identity. This looks like our servant leaders in this room that do all this amazing stuff, lead so many amazing teams. It looks like not just leaving them to it. It looks like investing in them. Allowing them to be the best leaders. Allowing you to step up in as many ways as you need to step up. And it looks like training. Wouldn't it be amazing if a church didn't train people for their own benefit, but said, oh, hey, we can help you do this in your sphere of influence. We can help you do this in your world. Wouldn't it be cool as a church to say, we will help you become all that God has called you to be and commit to the process. We will be a church that makes kings and queens. Next one, we will be a church that expresses essential creativity. We will be a church that expresses essential creativity. This looks like creative media. Just because. Because God has put creativity inside all of us. And we've said expresses creativity because every single one of us has an essential creativity bound in us when we were first created. Bound in us when, when God breathed into our lungs. He breathed into us a creativity of his spirit. A way of approaching the world that is different. You know, and we don't want to say we just want to be a creative church. Because actually I believe there's creativity in all of us. But we want to be a church that expresses it, that commits to expressing creativity. How amazing would that be? That looks like writing and releasing worship music. It looks like, like following Jesus and saying, like, how, how can we be resourceful and creative to express all that you've done for us? Like, wouldn't it just look like releasing creative potential in people? Like seeing that God has put something inside someone and saying, hey, we want to give you a platform to express this. We want to give you tools to express this. We want to be a church that expresses essential creativity. And the final one, the big seven, is we will be a church that builds a genuine family. A church that builds a genuine family. This looks like thriving life groups. Not just life groups are on because we go to them, but thriving life groups. And this one's close to my heart. We will be an all-generational church. I hear it said a lot that the youth are the future of the church and the future belongs to young people. Now, I believe that young people play a very big part in the church, but you know what? Young people need the wisdom. They need the experience of every single person older than them. We need... We need 
the depth of grandparents in this room. We need the depth of great-grandparents in this room. We need that generational exchange where young can learn from old and old can learn from young. Where we can all be in this room sharing together, standing together, not being some weird clique where people feel on the outside and there's this, oh, is it for young people or is it an old person thing? But wouldn't it be amazing if someone walked into this place and saw family and saw young people loving old people and old people loving young people? I think that is a beautiful picture of what God is calling us to be, a generational church. Building a genuine family looks like really robust pastoral support. It looks like people not slipping through the nets. It looks like people being in hospital and being visited by their life groups or by various different people. It looks like a church that goes on the journey with people, that commits, that commits to seeing people made whole again. Building a genuine family means that this room, in any meeting we put on, any time we as people, as individuals, leave this place and go into our own worlds, it looks like welcoming and embracing. Like, regardless of what you look like, regardless of where you've come from, regardless of who you are, you will be welcomed and embraced. Because it's one thing to welcome, isn't it? Like, hey, come in, you're welcome, take a seat. But it's another thing to embrace someone. To push past the things that might, like the barriers that are up and say, hey, I want to embrace you just as one of us. That's what building a genuine family looks like. So if you flip to the next one, Will. So the big seven, these are our seven key purposes. These are things that I feel God has really graced us with. Not things that I'm dreaming up, things that I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if. But these are things God is already starting, already doing in this community. He's already starting to cultivate these things. And many of you in this room right now might relate to one or two of them. I know when we, we uh, presented this in the elders, uh, you know, certain elders got passionate about certain ones. Like, oh, I'm really passionate about this one. I love that idea. And, and I don't know about you, but if I look at those, that's a church that I want to be part of. That's a community that I want to give to. That is a community that I just want to be in, that I want to invite people into. So we've got our mission. We've got like what Jesus has called us to do. Jesus said he would build the church. We just need to follow in his footsteps and, and step into the things that he's calling us to. We've got these key purposes, the big seven. And you can ask, well, how? Like, how can we do this? How can I play a part in that? We've got some guiding principles. You flip to the next one, Will. So guiding principles are literally what it says on the tin. They are a set of principles that will help us as individuals come together and be a church that does these things, that, that can come together. We can be people that can make this happen through Jesus. Like How amazing is that? We get to be part of this. How? We will be a church that does all of those things if we are a people that are Jesus-centered. That is the first guiding principle, that we are fully, thoroughly, truly, unashamedly, undoubtedly Jesus-centered. In everything we do, we point people to the message, the person, the hope of Jesus. The second guiding principle is spirit-filled and spirit-led. Now, this is an interesting um, 
study, if you were to do it in the Bible, like we talk about being filled with the Spirit. And uh, when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life and you can be, and be guided by the Spirit, he, the Spirit can live inside of you. There's like one entering. But biblically, there are many, many, many fillings of the Holy Spirit. So why have we said Spirit-filled and Spirit-led? Because it means a commitment to constantly seeking the Spirit, constantly being, asking the Spirit, fill me up. That could be daily. The Bible says there are many, many fillings of the Holy Spirit. It looks like a church that is committed to being filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. We will be a church that does all those things if we are Jesus-centered, Spirit-filled, and Spirit-led. We can also be a church that does those things if we are a people that are loving. I don't just mean nice. A distinction often uh, confused in churches. I'm not saying loving equals nice. Now, it might be a byproduct. I'm saying don't be like not nice. <laughs> but let's be a people that are loving. A people that genuinely, sacrificially love. That put others before ourselves. That love with such a deep love that people cannot leave this place without being like something in that room. There was a love I've never experienced before in that room. You know what? Society is crying out for people to just love them. You know, and wherever you are, whether it be in your family, whether in your school, your college, your workplace, wherever, your retirement home, whatever. Let's be a people that are loving. Let's be a people that are honoring. Honoring is the next guiding principle. A people that are honoring. Now, I'm passionate about this because in good old Great Britain, we don't like this one a whole lot. We find it a little bit strange to honor people sometimes, don't we? You know what honoring looks like? It means the people in the backgrounds that give so much and, and sacrifice so much. It's a church that does not overlook them. It's a church that says, hey, I want to honor you. But more than that, let's be people that honor. So if you see someone in your daily life doing something, or you see someone that is going through a difficult time and has responded really well, see, society will not go up, society will not tell people to go up to them and be like, I just want to honor you for all that you've done, for just being so faithful and carrying on even though it's so difficult. I guarantee if you did that in work, people will look at you like you're a freak. Let's be looked at like freaks. Why? Because we honor. You know, like, when you're going in the supermarket and you're, the, the, the cashier is like beeping through your cheese and all this stuff that you're buying, wouldn't it be nice to be known as a people? They say, hey, thank you for your attitude. Like, thank you for all that you do. It costs us nothing other than maybe some funny looks. Let's be a people that are honoring. I think it's in 1 Peter or 2 Peter. It says, love one another deeply and honor one another above yourselves. Honoring is like putting respect onto someone else before you. Jesus-centered, spirit-filled and spirit-led, loving, honoring. The next one, generous. Let's be a people that are generous. The elders, in the elders meeting, we talk about this a lot. Let's be known 
for people that are generous, generous with our money, generous with our time, our energy, our resources, generous with our words. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing to not be known as a stingy group of people? Not that we are. But wouldn't it be nice to be known as a people that are generous? People that, that just give with seeking no return at all. A people that are just known for generosity. See, we will be a church that can do all those things, that can talk with its hands and meet needs in this community if we are generous people. A commitment to generosity. This next one. Let's be a people that are risk takers. Let's be a people that take risks. Not blind risks, not stupid risks. But you know what? If we're a church that wants to reach people, we're a church that genuinely wants to see change, we're going to have to step out. We're going to have to be a church that stands on this line as God is calling us forward and be like, God, I don't know what this is going to look like, but we're in. It's kind of like a spirit, isn't it? Risk-taking. It's kind of like something that rises up in you. It's, it's a culture that we're going to build in this room. A culture that this family will have is that we are people who are not afraid of taking risks. And once we've prayed it through, once we've like really gone to God and we've heard what he's got to say and still things aren't really adding up, but we're going to be a church, that risk takers. That excites me. I mean, we already are. We are a church of 80 to 100 people that are investing so much time and effort into Tanzania. If you want to know what risk-taking is, it's risky business mission work. And our team do such an incredible job. And we're about to head into another shop. We're about to open another store in the community. That is a risk. We don't know if it's going to work. We don't know what's going to happen. It's an investment of time. It's an investment of money. But we are a people that want to commit to God, if you are calling us out. Like, I think risk-taking risk comes from faith, doesn't it? Because it's such a strong faith to say, God, I know you're not going to leave me. I know you're not going to drop me. So I'm going to step out. It's that spirit of let's step out. The next one is if we want to be a church that expresses essential creativity, we need to be a church, uh, to be a people that commit to being creative, that being that be a people that commit to finding that creativity inside of us. That means in your own world, creativity might look different. I'm not talking like just artistic creativity. It's like if you sat there thinking, like, I can't paint. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't paint either. Yeah, Sue can teach you. I'm not just talking artistic creativity. I'm talking about a creativity is like a perspective. It's like the, the way that you can view the world. It's like when, when, when God breathed his breath into our lungs, he gave us access to seeing things differently. He, he gave us potential inside of us to create something out of nothing. And what do I mean? Is when we have ideas, when we have dreams, when we have things inside of us, when we have vision. Creativity helps us bring nothing, nothing physical, and to breathe into something. It's a commitment to us being a people that are creative, and that excites me. Jesus-centered, 
a people that are spirit-filled and spirit-led, a people that are loving, honoring, generous, a people that are risk-takers, that are creative, and finally, a people that are excellent, a people that are excellent, that commit to doing things the best they absolutely can. That means phrases like, it will do, or it will be fine, are blacklisted around this place. It means things like, I'm sure it'll be okay. Gone. It means like a people who are so committed to honoring God with everything inside of us, whether that be putting out mugs for refreshments, whether that mean studying to preach a message, whether that mean working in your workplace, bring an excellence. We will be a church that makes kings and queens if we create a culture of excellence in this room. If we as people commit to doing things best we can. You know what this looks like? This looks like being people that commit to doing things properly like our policies. Like everything in our church being done properly. Being a people that are excellent. I think that is God honor. And if we keep these up for a second. So we've heard our mission to make followers of Jesus that make followers of Jesus. We've heard these big seven key purposes that God is calling us into. And we've seen these eight guiding principles that are going to help us as people to be part of that story that Jesus is doing in our community. That Jesus is writing in this community. Now obviously there's mechanics behind all this. There's things that are going to help us actually realize these things. It's not just nice words and and you know, exciting ideas to move forward. But there's things that are going to help us track it and things that are going to help us grow it and things that are going to help us put these things into practice. So you will hear about this over time. But today, as Damien said this morning about rebuilding this temple, kind of like building into the future, see today as one of those days where like the blueprints are rolled out. Like we've all got around a big table and we've just rolled the blueprints and we're all standing around it being like, so this is what the house could look like. We're not going into where the plugs should be and what color the curtains are, and, and we'll get there over time, but we're in this for the long haul. We're committed to seeing this happen. We're committed to allowing Jesus to do this. We can't do this on our own. You know that's when a vision isn't from us is when you know it is impossible on our own. Like the seeds of this stuff already going on, but we need Jesus to come and do this. But today is the role in the blueprints. And I'll stand around being like, this is what Jesus wants us to build. And I don't know about you, but it's such an honor and privilege that I can be part of this, that you can be part of this, that us as a family can commit to these things. I hope in 10 years we look back, my prayer in 10 years that we look back and we, aren't, we don't say we've done it. But actually in 10 years we go, we're only just getting going. See, God wants to really, really work in this church. I believe it with everything in me. He really, really wants to do something with this community. He really, really wants to work in you. And uh, the theme or the, the kind of focal point over the next season, if you can put it up for us, Will, is will it be us? Will it be us? And this sounds interesting. This is not like a, a gamble. 
Like, oh, I wonder if it'll be us. That's not what this is about. Will it be us? You know what this is? This is like Jesus stood there with his hand out saying, like, I want to do amazing things with you. I want to really, really see your communities transformed. I really, really want to see your work in Africa just explode. I really just want to see your youth ministries and your kids' ministries raising strong, strong, grounded young people. He wants to do that through us. And he's there waiting. And he's saying, are you going to come? Will it be us? See, I want you to keep this question in your head personally and us as a family. Will it be us? Will it be you? Are we going to be the people that respond to the call of God? Are we going to be a people that actually go through with what he's calling us to? I'm going to read us a passage from John 6, verses 1 to 13. And this is going to sum up this little theme for us. We're going to be studying this, this idea, will it be us, over the next three weeks in October. Looking at moves of God and how people got in on them. And the question's with us today. Will it be us? Are we going to respond to the call of God? All right, let me read this. John 6. I'm going to read from 5, sorry. 5 through to 13. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Verse 6. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of them to even have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten them. So it says in this passage, like this, this story is covered in all four of the Gospels. And like it says that there were 5,000 men there. Like I think it's safe for us to assume that including women and children, we can say there were between eight and 12,000 people present. So Jesus, he's teaching and all these people like crowd around to hear him. They've been there so long. And uh, one of the other gospels said that they were tired and they began to get hungry. So Jesus says to one of his disciples, like, like where are we going to buy some bread for these people? And obviously the passage said that Jesus already knew what he was going to do. But he asked to test him. And immediately like Philip's like, oh, like that would cost so much money for even people to have a tiny bit of bread that would cost so much money. Like, I don't think we can do this, Jesus. And then one of the disciples pipes up and says, like, yo, Jesus, there's like this, this kid who has like five loaves of bread and two fish. But like, I don't know how far that's going to go. 
And Jesus says, now sit down. And I, I kind of feel like in that moment, Jesus' eyes lit up. Like, oh, someone that everyone's overlooked, that everyone's counted out. Like, a situation that people are thinking impossible, that this could never happen. Like, everyone sit down. And the little boy gives his two fish and five loaves to Jesus. And Jesus takes it, he blesses them, he breaks the bread, and he hands them out. And every single person there said they had more than enough. They ate until they were full. And the disciples collected all the leftovers. What an amazing story. I want to leave us with two thoughts today. Will it be us? Significant moves of God begin with insignificant acts of obedience. See, the boy may have been laughed at. Like when Jesus is like with the guys and all the guys are freaking out. Like how are we going to feed so many people? And, and you can imagine like the little boy and like the ripples of, of the people around. Like, oh, what's kind of going on? And the little boy with his packed lunch kind of goes over. And you can just imagine, you can see the picture. Like the scriptures don't tell us, but I think we can imagine what this would be like. And the boy like tugs on the robe and offers what he's got thinking he's being helpful. and I don't really know like what Andrew was thinking when he was, he, he kind of put it forward like, uh, Jesus, there's like a, there's a kid here, he's, he's got his packed lunch. Like, don't know how far it's going to go. Like, nice one, mate, appreciate it. You know, like you would, like you'd kneel down and you'd say to a kid like, oh, that, that's good. Like, you go eat your lunch, but that's good on you, mate. You know what I mean? And in that moment, Jesus, just something catches him. And he looks, the little boy with his five loaves and two fish. Strange packed lunch. My mom ever packed that for me as a kid. <laughs> it says five small barley loaves and two small fish. Like even the Bible is like writing this kid off. Like, even the words on the page, like, he didn't come with, like, a load of bread and a load of fish. He came with five small loaves of bread and two small fish. I don't know this morning whether in your life right now you've struggled with the idea of insignificance. Whether you struggle to come to God, whether you struggle to give him all that you are because you feel small, insignificant, like, what could I ever do? How could I ever be used? Like, I'm not talented. I don't have the stuff. I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus' eyes light up when he hears this. Like someone that everyone overlooks that I can do something with. See, Jesus isn't looking for what you can give. He's looking for the fact that you'll give it. See, this passage says Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Why couldn't he just do it? Why? Because he wanted to bring something out of the kid. He, he wanted to show people that actually when everyone overlooks something, when everyone says this can never happen, this can never be done, Jesus is saying, hey, in your own strength, you will feed no one. In your own strength as a church, you will achieve nothing. But actually with me, anything is possible. I will take your not enough and make it more than enough. 
And that is the heart of God for our church today, is that all that we have, we just need to give Him. Whether we think it's small, whether we think it's insignificant, whether we think it's not good enough, we just need to say, Jesus, take the little we've got and do something incredible with it. That is the heart of God. That is the God that we serve. And what pressure does it take off that we don't need to come and be this big, talented thing with loads of money and like a machine that everyone looks at and says, wow, that church has got it together. Now let's not be known for a church that's got it together. Let's be a church that is known to whatever season, whatever we look like, we just give it to Jesus and see what he will do with it. Let us be people that give ourselves freely to Jesus, no matter what we look like, no matter how many times we've been written off, let's be a people that know that Jesus can do something with us. I wonder this morning, do we need to give ourselves to him? Whether that be for the first time, whether that be that decision where you just say, "Ah, I've fallen short. I'd say welcome to the club we all have. And for the first time this morning, you might be here saying, if God says he can take my not enough and do something amazing with it, I want in on that. Or it might actually be you coming back. You saying, God, there's been areas of my life that I've not let you into. Like you've welcomed them into your house, but you've shut the doors upstairs. Like you can go to the toilet, but you can't go in those rooms. Like you, you can't go like that. Like, now I'll, I'll deal with them. It's going to look amazing one day, and when it looks good, I'll let you in. Now, Jesus is there with some gloves on and a hoover and a brush, and he's saying, let me in, because I want to work. I, I, I want to clean you. I, I want to actually do something with you. Like, so often we, we shut Jesus out, don't we, because we're so ashamed of the dirt and the brokenness in us. But actually, he's saying, I'm here to clean you. How incredible is that? Significant moves of God begin with insignificant moves of obedience. And the second thing, possibly the most important thing, the power lies not in the command, but in the one who commanded it. As much as we talk about our role and what God can do for us and how he wants to use us and the potential and the purpose that he's put inside of us, we need to talk about that. But more so, Let's not be so obsessed with what he's asked us to do and forget of who's asked us to do it. Listen to this. In verse 11, Jesus took the loaves. So we've talked about the fact that even though we're broken, even though we're messy, even though we don't sometimes see ourselves as anything worth multiplying or using, we just need to give ourselves to God. And like the first bit of hope in this is the fact that Jesus took the loaves. Like Jesus took the boys not enough. Okay? He took the little that he had. And that's a promise. Like Jesus will take you exactly as you are. But let's look at this another way. Like Jesus, Jesus took the loaves. Like the one who is all powerful was the one that was in control of this situation. And he's the one that wants to use you today. So the power is always in Jesus. It's never not been in Jesus. It has always been in and through and for Jesus. 
See, he's the one who causes dead things to come back alive. He is the one that uses the not enough. He is the one that calls us into all that he calls us into. He is the one that says, I have got plan and purpose and potential. And he is the one that says, I desperately want relationship with you. See, we need to be so Christ-centered. Or this whole thing is pointless. We need to be so fixed on the person of Jesus. Or all this is pointless. I want to ask you this morning, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Or do you just know a lot about him? Do you just know a lot about what he's done? And you've been in the room as his... You've just caught the coattails as he's going. Figuratively. He's never leaving, don't worry. But do you really know him? Because today I want to say that you can know Jesus intimately and personally. More so, he wants to know you intimately and personally. Do you know him? See, Jesus was showing that nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for him. Let's not be so caught up in all the stuff that he's called us to and forget that he's called us to it. Like what an honor, what a privilege that us as broken, messy people, that Jesus says, I want to use you. He doesn't need us. You think Jesus needs us? You think that like to get his purposes and his will in this world, he needs us. But the most profound thing is he desperately wants to do it with us. It's a participation. You know, what does this mean for us as a church? Well, this theme of this season is, will it be us? Right now, we are that little boy. Stood in front of Jesus with what we've got. With our lunch. Us as a church, what we've got, all the talent and the team and the amazing people we've got in this room. We're stood here. And Jesus is asking, is it going to be you guys? Because you just got to give it me and I'll do something with it. But is it going to be you? And I pray with all of me that it's us. I pray that we step into this. That we don't just think, oh, this would be nice, this would be cool. But actually... We step into this wholeheartedly. We step into this with both feet. We become the people that he's called us to be so that we can be the church that he's called us to be. A healthy church is not something you just make. A healthy church is made up of lots of healthy people, lots of grounded people, lots of devoted people. Let's be that that people so we can be that church. Will it be us that trusts in the power of God? Will it be us that that trusts in him, knowing that he's the multiplier, he's the provider? Will it be us that takes up that call of God, that accepts his invitation, that goes and loves the unlovable, believes in the ones that everyone overlooks? Will it be us? The choice is ours. And I'm so excited that God's called us to do this. I genuinely am. When I read that big seven, those key purposes, I just think that is the church I want to be part of. And today, we can mark this day. The choice is ours. Will it be us? If you'd like to pray with me. Father God, you are in control. 
There is no one like you. And God, we're just so humbled that you desire to meet us, that you desire a relationship. God, this day as we roll those blueprints out on the table and see what you're calling us to, God, I pray that we would jump into this. Make it so real to us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to speak to people. Give people visions. Give people dreams of how you're going to use them in this vision. Of how you're going to use people in this story that you're writing here. God, I pray for us as people that we would learn to be the right people. That we would learn to follow you with everything that we've got to give to you no matter what it looks like. Father God, I pray that it's us in this season that respond to that call. We love you. We thank you for all that you're doing. If you'd like to keep your head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to offer an opportunity here. I want to offer an opportunity for us to respond to this message because it's pointless if it just stays in this room. So while no one's looking, for a first group of people this morning that maybe you've heard this message and you've heard a little bit of what we're about and you've heard this story of how Jesus took someone that wasn't enough and made it more than enough. And right now in your brokenness and in your messiness, you want to know that guy. You want to know that God. You want to come to know Jesus this morning. I want to offer you an opportunity in just a second. And for a second group of people, the people that have known God and, and, and God's in your living room, but you just don't let him upstairs. You've got the cupboards that are locked. You've got the rooms that are closed because you're just too ashamed to give them to him. This morning, I want to offer you an opportunity to open the doors, to give him what you've got and let him work with it because he can't work unless you give it to him. He's not going to barge in. He's not going to kick the doors down. He's waiting to be invited into the spaces that you hide from him. If either of those is you this morning after three, I want you to respond. No one's looking, but this is between you and God, either to meet him for the first time, to invite him into your house for the first time, or to let him into those spaces that you hide from him. If either of those is you after three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Amazing. It's so good. You can put your hands down. Just another couple seconds. If you this morning just want to open the door, say, God, come and use all that I've got. Amazing. You can put your hands down. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these people that responded this morning. Holy Spirit, come and reveal yourself to them right now. Come fill them. Come lead them. Come guide them. Jesus, you are above every other name. We thank you that you desperately want to come and reside in us and clean up all that was broken. I pray for both groups of people this morning as they just said they wanted to open the door and let you all the way in. I thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus, that because of that we can have freedom. We worship you. We thank you. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.